Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Sometimes my role is just to exist, just to show that we can be there. And it's because you can't be what you can't see. Kilda Koto, no my hide my kitia, paperback gorillas, the podcast for mana enhancing kōrero that we think is worth our time sharing and your time hearing. Ko Peter Barrett Tokuingua, my name is Peter Barrett, and in today's episode I'm sitting down with Stacey Morrison. If you don't know who Stacey is, she is a radio and TV host, she's an author, uh, she's a kayako, and she is a fierce advocate for the revitalization of Te Reo Māori. She's also a really deep thinker and doer, she puts in a lot of work in those spaces uh, that benefit all of us in New Zealand, especially Māori. We talk about Stacey's career and getting to this point of doing the mahi that she loves, uh, from learning te reo Māori in front of Aotearoa on our screens, uh, to the point now where she's seen attitudes to te reo Māori change uh, a lot throughout the industry of TV and radio. Uh, she talks through some of the challenges of being a mother in the public eye, um, being comfortable with being middle class and not needing to be a struggling artist, and she also gives us some beautiful whakaro, some beautiful thoughts uh, on what she believes te reo means and doesn't mean when it comes to being Māori. Uh, this was a really fun, educational and uh, inspiring episode and an inspiring conversation for me to have with Stacey and I'm really grateful for being able to have it. Uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I have. Kilda. That's the cool thing about being a Māori artist. To show me that that was possible. Uncle Sam voice. Kia To start with, the big wide open uh, intro question, are you doing the mahi that you love? Hi. Yeah, I'm really lucky. Uh, that's kind of a easy answer. I always think that, you know, when we talk about what we do for a job, I like to think of it as my mahi is what I do rather than being my job. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So um, it's what I would do whether I was getting paid for it or not. And therein lies a bit of a challenge because sometimes when you feel so passionate about something, it feels odd, particularly in a Māori context, to be paid for it. So mm. I struggle with that sometimes and have different whakaro about it. And I tend to kind of try to work in a way that means that I can do lots of things um um, mm. So if I believe in the kaupapa, then that, that's what I'll do. And then some of the things I do, I just mote orango te whanau. Um, but mm. mostly, uh, yeah, I like to have that balance because I'm just one of those people that if I didn't um, have a depth and a div, you know, a, a deeper meaning to what I was doing, my mahi, I just wouldn't be very satisfied. So I'm mm. always, yeah, kind of someone who will rationale, okay, what is, what's the bigger picture of this? Why is it worth it? Um, and sometimes it can just because it's fun. That's all good. Mm. Um, but and I feel very fortunate, particularly in these times, because we have had quite a few people in our industry losing their jobs. So um, mm. I'm mindfully really grateful for the mahi that I have and the mahi that I do. Mm. Do you find that you have to make many compromises um, in that wider or that, that, that bigger picture that you are striving to in the process of kind of getting paid for it uh i'm just a bit shit at it i think sometimes (laughs) i just you know uh i did say to someone this week and they said oh did you see my email about the the price is that okay and i went yeah no i think it's too much and he said that's Mm -hmm. a very weird answer and i said well i just i want it to be fair either way you know Mm -hmm. so um i guess that's one thing uh, for me, and, and I do address it, and I am really careful about it. Um, my sister is good at saying to me, "Hey, why do you do that? Um, mm. Why do you find it hard to accept 
what everyone else does absolutely fine but um, part of it I realize is about my upbringing part of it is about uh, feeling uh, that you deserve to get paid for things and also mm. it's just really um, you know they talk about middle class and I see why it's the middle because you're not like really wealthy but uh, like in a gross kind of way but then you're not um, struggling either and I think when mm. we uh, have the experience of growing up with less and also when we are in uh, you know the our culture is about thinking about everyone then you have a different context and and mm. sometimes I guess um, having an abundance is something that I wouldn't feel comfortable with it only being individual so I do lots mm. of things that are um, you know char for charity and donate mm. to charity I just um, that's one way that I feel that I can sit comfortably and I know um, there's some I, I've had to do quite a lot of work in my head around it being okay to um, to not be struggling financially and that you don't have to mm. be struggling to be an artist or to do something of worth. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll just um, I'm just going to give my phone to my daughter. And I, Haria ki wahi ki kutsiro tēnā koa? Kai te pai ki a kōrero koe ki a meina. Oh, hanea nea te noho. Te pai koe? Mo te wapoto. Kārerua. That's Mayana. She's taking her. She's going to talk to her friend Mina on video chat. <laughs> Mina is is a um, only child, and she loves ringing Mayana quite often at the moment. <laughs> Choice. Yeah, that's no, um, right. Bye, Cool. Kapai. All good now. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting interesting for away like. Um, because you can, and I guess it depends where the puti is coming from, right? Like, I mean, if you're thinking about, um, I mean, if it's if, if you if it's going from somewhere that needs it, then it then it's a oh, different yeah. um, different quarter, right? Like coming from anywhere else. But then, like, it, uh, I can't often think about. I wish I had the discipline to go those places where I'm comfortable with the puti are coming from, uh, where it's potentially more than what I feel like it should be. Like, if I was really disciplined it evens was, out um, yeah well now if I, if I was really committed to the 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 co-papa that i believe i am then i would be going cool that that portion of the of the money like i'm going to do something good with that mm. you know like because because the leverage that you have when you get that money might be more useful than it being somewhere else right yeah um, totally yeah no, another, i do that rationale as well yeah and go yeah, okay nice. here's my maths um i did this and it was actually very easy for me and they could well afford it and they actually need to get rid of that money uh, for whatever mm. reason and therefore I can utilize it in this way um, to benefit people that wouldn't otherwise that wouldn't be heading towards them so yeah mm. so we're just going to hop over to a, a question about the the current current situation so what's um I mean, what does the, the lockdown look like for you and your whānau? So I know, um, I mean, you and Scotty potentially never stop working. Um, and what, is, what does that mean while we're on lockdown? Uh, well, Scotty's at work as we speak. Um, TVNZ has two teams. So he is on one team and he'll work two or three days a week in the studio. And that's because they want to make sure that if one team went down, then the other team would still be okay uh, to keep yep. going. Um, and I still go into my mahi uh, every day during the week. And I only see two people, Mike and Anika, uh, basically at the mm. moment. So yeah, media is deemed essential, um, but obviously not in the way that frontline health workers and supermarket workers are, uh, especially. Mm. So, yeah, we're here um, with a meru with a bubble of eight because my brother and his partner and their baby, our nephew, who's coming up to two, is with us as well. So uh, we have a good, busy fuddy oh, in Tamaki yeah, Makaya. Yeah. <laughs> Choice. Um, and so in all of that... Uh, craziness that that goes on in a person household um loving craziness obviously uh how are you taking care of yourself how do you how do you maintain your your mental health uh yeah so the, i guess both for scotty and i karakia and uh, tikanga maori is really central to our both mental and spiritual health and uh, so that's something that we practice both both mindfully like um 
we had a Tito Ducker fly into the house on the first day of the Rahu, and I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Thanks for that. Um, But, yeah, exactly. But we had um, hard out karakia, and that was a good katautaku wairui tēnā. And um, it did stay around and, and have a great big corridor. So I was thinking about my kuya who passed not quite a month ago. Um, and, you know, we hadn't been long back from the tangi. Mm. So, um, you know, kuna tētahi whakamaori tērā āhuatanga. And then apart from that, uh, Scotty's sort of like a, a racing greyhound in terms of how much exercise he needs. <laughs> so a <laughs> couple of times a day. Um, and we're really lucky that we have... Um, lots of spots right right by our house where we can do that and then there's a um, boxing bag out the front mm. there's kempo sessions that go on uh there's weights that we've borrowed from friends and so yeah all as well and then I, d- I tend to do yoga in the morning mm. but yeah actually and, and let's not underestimate how helpful cleaning is like if you just feel like okay I've achieved something I can look at that nice cleaner floor then you know Te oranga, it yep. does actually help. I know some people are obsessive yeah. about it. I wouldn't call myself obsessive about it, but I do appreciate that it makes you feel, you know, okay, right, yep. I can do this. And also it's just the visual mm. stress of looking at messy things. I don't yep. like that. Um, and I saw on, I think, one of your Instagram stories, like you were doing some yoga with uh, that, uh, I don't know if it was Jace uh, Tepatu was running it or if he was um, just taking part in it, but we do the, um, his uh the M3 mindfulness um, sessions in the morning with, with our tamariki. Those are oh. primo. Yeah, kapai. I think it was actually Tana Mitha's class. That's what I usually oh, do. Okay. And then and Jace came in. Um, and, mm. yeah, I've had Jace up here and done some mahi with him. I've known him for a long time. And we did. Um, mm. We all came together for a wānanga on his te reo yoga cards with him. Oh, yeah, and Shirley. Yeah. yeah, so it's yeah, I really love seeing when people find something like that a way to express um, what their kaupapa is, but also um, to be creative about it. And mm. I really loved watching, particularly the young boys at our kura where we hosted um, Jace, just seeing a man doing the splits and a man mm. being, you know, athletic in a different type of way. Yep. Uh, mm. I thought was really awesome and they you could just see their eyes like saucers going wow i didn't know that that was a thing yeah which i really enjoyed cool so we'll go back now to the um to the the corridor around kind of doing that that mahi that you love how did you get to the point of first i guess uh realizing that or finding that 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 love uh so the mahi that you're doing now um and then i guess believing that you could that you could do it. Yeah, I guess uh, I check my privilege in the fact that I found it pretty early mm-hmm. and I was in television right from high school actually mm. and then um, it was all about the hustle, making sure you, you kept on having a job and then also I guess because I was straight into work to decide, okay, do I need to leave and go to broadcasting school? Do I need to leave and go to university? Or am I just going to learn on the job? Mm. Which, when you can work constantly for as long as I have, then that's an honour. And so that's mostly what I've done, um, except for studying around that. And in terms of what I do, uh, television-wise, yes, I was lucky to find that early. Radio then came into the picture about 1994 or somewhere around there and then uh, in terms of the real uh, that was very much a personal journey that I never thought about being a work journey it was just a te karanga te as I say to people if you have that mm. calling inside you the good news is it will never go away and the mm. bad news is it will never go away <laughs> so you um, answer it for whatever reason and I didn't particularly think I was answering it for work reasons um, but it ends up that and sharing that experience and being a connector for other people to be able to see, okay, for one thing, uh, this awkwardness and this difficulty that I'm having is not just mine. Lots of us feel like that. Mm. And to be able to express uh, the experiences of our generation and to offer something back in terms of resources, in terms of uh, 
just showing a way of being that's Māori and that's uh, modern and relevant, I guess that's where I feel like I've been very fortunate um, to be able to do that and that's what I've kind of tried to do. Yeah, so that's, that's how I found this and it's really just going with what I thought I needed to do mm. more than going, okay, here's my goal and this is what I have to kind of do to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I read somewhere about the kind of experience for you at school um, back in or Tautahi being uh, too whakama to, to kind of be around the, the te reo Māori kaiako uh, at school and that's, you know, I mean that, that whole thing around being Māori and having that expectation of yourself or belief that there's an expectation of um, of the world that you can speak and that you're fluent and that you know, you know, the the full extent of, of all things uh, Māori and, and te ao Māori and all of the tikanga and everything. Um, do you have any advice for people who are still at that stage of being uh, too whakamā to take whatever that first step might look like for them uh, and learning it and kind of, because for me at least, once I realised how uh how beautiful that connection to te ao maori was or how strong it was through the deal um which i didn't that was kind of a surprise to me i didn't expect that to be the the real to be such a pathway into the rest of te ao maori mm. and that might be something to do with growing up in otaki around like around otaki um but that was quite a surprise to me so i think i feel like for a lot of maori once they started and they realized that connection and how beautiful that uh how beautiful te ao maori is um or remember how beautiful it is then they might be sweet but how do we encourage more maori to take those first steps who are still at that stage that you were back at school um before you uh like you learned japanese right and then mm. kind of went on from there before that point I think the most important thing is to know you don't have to do anything to qualify Mena he Māori koe, you know, ka mātua i pēna, that's all. Uh, mm. you, uh, you don't need to qualify, the reo won't make you more Māori. It will mm-hmm. change perhaps how you participate in being Māori and your identity expression might be different, but it's painfully important to me that no one thinks that you have to do certain things in order to be Māori, mm. aside from having whakapapa Māori. And, and I feel really strongly about that. And I and I have such aroha for uh, struggle for identity because it's not our fault. And I say mm. to people, it's not our fault that this has happened, but now it's our choice. So mm. you can make your choice on what you're going to do moving ahead based on what's important to you. And one of the reasons why it was important to me was because I didn't want my children to have the experiences that I had. And mm. I never wanted them to have to spend as many years as I've had to to earn something that I believe is their birthright and that's te reo Māori. And mm. being able to speak Māori for me has helped me, I guess, speak my spirit's truth. Um, mm. If there's anything inside you that's saying that you want to do it, it will possibly be painful to uncover because there's lots of stuff that comes with it. Um, there's times when you felt within your own family, perhaps like I did, you know, my dad used to call himself the white sheep of the family, you know, so Mm. families all have their own dynamics and how everyone coped through the different phases of colonization and what it does to whānau. So it's your story as much as it's painful and you'd love to, you know, edit out, filter out some parts. It's your story. And it's what your whakapapa, as in every single tupuna you have, uh, that was meant to then have, you know, meet your other tupuna and for you to be produced and for that line to happen. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. It's just who you mm. are is dependent upon all of those sets of people choosing each other and then having a child mm. and then having a child, you know, like yeah. you never need to question, yeah, that you're supposed to be here and that you're supposed to be in the skin that you're in. And now mm. it's just our job to feel more comfortable in that skin. Mm. And we all get to choose yeah. how we do that. And for me and for Scotty, Te Reo Māori has 
definitely been a huge part of that. Mm. Kilda. My question was going to be about how well do you think non-Māori understand that that importance or that um, uh, that importance of of uh, being able to connect with Te Ao Māori for those of us who want to. Um, mm. But I think we kind of the answer like the answer to that is pretty obvious a lot of the time. Not for obviously not for all non-Māori. Um, I think there's a really good point here though is that yes we need non-Māori to be open to te reo Māori and ideally participate in te reo Māori and also as a good ally, as a homie, literally that's Mm -hmm. what ally is, (laughs) uh, to recognise that we have a different space if we are Mm. Pākehā participating in te reo Māori Mm. and that it's okay to know that you won't have the same experiences as Māori and actually you don't have the same intergenerational language trauma. And mm. unfortunately that makes it easier sometimes for Pākehā to learn Māori, which is mm. really challenging for the other Māori in their class going, oh, great, mm. the Pākehā person seems better than me. And mm. uh, that's because it's not a language that was literally beaten out of your grandparents. Mm-hmm. And what a parent does is they try to protect their kids and of course they will protect them from something a great pain that they've had as much as they can so protecting our kids from our own language is what has happened so Mm. I just always would ask Pākehā uh, to be mindful of that and in general Mm. what I've seen is the more fluent they become the more that that is just intrinsic and uh, part of their understanding that they know that they have this they can participate in this beautiful language that is the language of this land and there are some things that they will not personally experience because they're not Maori. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a that's an it is an important point. And um I don't know, I, I think there's a different I mean there's a bunch of different reasons, like you said, around that trauma that it's that it's more difficult for for Māori a lot of the time to learn this. And this was my my kayako at Te Wananga was talking about this as well. Um there's, there's a certain degree of pressure that that we can put on ourselves, right? As we learn that, like that, I certainly do anyway, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like I'm not just learning. I mean, I'm learning it because I want to learn it, and, and I'm and I'm loving the way it makes me feel, and, the, and that connection to Te Ao Māori, like I was talking about. Um, but there's also that 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 pressure, right? Of I want, like you said, I want my my children to to be able to speak Te Reo Māori, and so I need to bring it into the house and. Um, so I'm not just learning for me, I'm learning for them and then carrying that on, I'm learning for their children and, and all my mokopuna and, um, and so on. And that's a... Yeah, no pressure, a, eh? Yeah, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> that's an entirely different proposition, right, to, to learning the mechanics of a new language. Um, so it's And uh, I've it's, seen that because with Japanese, I, I felt like, oh, you know, mm. uh, you know, like I, I don't understand very well, but I'll just try my best. And none yeah. of the whakamā at a deep-seated level like I've mm. had with Māori. And still, yeah. you know, sometimes uh, it's interesting because I can, I can see what Scotty doesn't see uh, about himself and that I see how he intimidates people totally without meaning to. He's not a person mm. who would ever do that purposely. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I said to him, I said, oh, they're just freaking out. <laughs> you, you, you're just freaking them out. And he said, I, <laughs> yeah. I haven't done anything. Like, yeah, I know, <laughs> but it's um, the fact that he is a second language learner who didn't learn to university is in some ways inspiring, in some ways it's frustrating. And mm. uh, and I think it's just because, you know, some people will find their I believe in his case, he found his destiny of who he was supposed to be and unlocked mm. that. But um, I was saying to a friend of mine yesterday, it's so irritating how quickly he can remember things. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, right. So you mean frustrating for other learners? Um, yeah. It's, it's just a bit ridiculous. Like him is. and Tatere <laughs> and Julian and some of those guys. It's like, oh, I've been doing, you know, if you compare it and you go, I've been doing it just as many years. How come I'm not like yeah. that? Well, uh, we all work differently, right? Our brains work yep. differently. We have right. different experiences, different people who uh, impact us and mentors. Um, so, yeah, ju- judge by your own standards. I mean, mm. it, one cute thing is that Scott and I both know what is a meaningful 
reference to us. I mean, him, yeah, I just remember the moment at which he, um, Farehuya's daughter said um, that she loves, she watches Gori on, on TV because then it's the only way she can hear her papa's voice. And like for us, it's just like, oh, everything, everything. So, you know, that's more than any prize, basically. So yeah. you're just going to judge yourself on what, you know, some people that wouldn't mean anything to them. For us, that's that's all we need to know, basically. Mm. Choice. Um, have you seen, so talking about the, the learning process and, um, and Tawita going through that, do you see any... Uh, and, you know, uh, interpret this question with the, the loving aroha that it has. Um, any kind of markers of people who you think, cool, they're going to be able to stick at it, or they are going to stick mm. at it, um, versus the opposite, like ones who you go, okay, cool, they might not see it through because it, it, yep. for whatever reason. Yes. Whether you choose to reveal that information is probably something that a, a kaioko needs to be judicious with. <laughs> um, sure. yeah. But yeah, you can definitely see some common factors. It's about headspace. It's about how ready mm-hmm. you are. It's about what's going on in the rest of your life. It's about, mm. like, if you're in survival mode and then the, learning that it was a luxury, right? Mm. And yeah. some people will do that because it will be something that gives them life and light. Um, and some people will go, I'm too busy. I I can't. I don't have headspace for it. So that's fine too. Some people will hold themselves up by getting too stuck on technicalities, never being able to move past um, imperfection, which mm-hmm. is, you know, worrying, oh, I don't know if it's R or O, I don't know if it's E or key, or not being able to just sit in the vulnerability of going, I you can't be good at everything as soon as you start mm-hmm. it, even though you want to, even though you don't want to be uh, standing up in front of people in situations that mean a lot to you and stuffing it up. It's mm. it's just an unavoidable uh, pain that we, we well, many of us have been through. And then mm. there's the people who are fortunate to have been either uh, had the deal at home from birth or their kohanga and kura kids and I um, I can see that they have a different experience again and mm. it's great if they can have aroha and know that they don't understand what it's like to have to learn like this. Um, mm. I had a, a native speaker like that say to me, oh, I don't, I'm so useless at teaching beginners because I can't understand why they don't get it. And mm. and I said, yeah, well, I do, unfortunately, and those are my favourite. <laughs> um and so, yeah, to see what's going on, when, when Scotty and I tag team teach, um, while he's talking, I'm observing people and mm. seeing what's going on with them. And you can literally see where their eyes, cl- you know, like something drops down like a drape in front of their eyes. They go, nah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's because their brain is too full. Sometimes it's because I didn't get there. I'm sick of not getting things. Um, and so that's always quite interesting for me. There's a, there's a lot more observation and teaching than people might realise. Mm. and eight is one of my favorite things um and yes i think there are some key factors where you can tell how successful or if someone's going to be successful and say if you think of someone like jennifer ward leland um Mm. she has been going for a long time and we've seen her at classes for maybe 12 years um so we could see you know like wow she keeps on coming and she keeps on Mm. going um Guy in Espina, completely different prospect, prodigious, but just all of a sudden he just goes for it. He'll just talk to yeah. Timothy Karitu and we're like, he's crazy, what is he doing? <laughs> and it's awesome, you know, and yeah. his wakine, of course, um, Emma Wikipayhana from your mm. ways. And, mm. um, you know, and she also goes, well, I'm busy becoming a medical doctor, so um, you do you, boo. And yeah. he's... Amazing. And then when it comes to Māori learners, um, say Jenny Mae Clarkson being a good reference, she wanted to know everything yesterday. Really hard for a high-performance person like her who's used to being good at everything to mm. then make herself humble and go back to being kohanga level. You know, you could just see she was like, oh, just speed this up already. This is awful. <laughs> yeah. I hate being a plotter. She's not a plotter, you know. So, yeah, we've got to work to our personalities, to our strengths, mm. um, sit 
in our weaknesses sometimes and go, mm. okay, well, maybe I'm just, I'm not a whakapapa guy. Maybe I'm not a karakia guy, mm. but I'm totally fine at this and te reo o iara. And so that's where my focus is. We're not, mm. ideally, back in the day, we never expected one person to be all the things. You know, you mm. were on a pai pai, you worked to strengths. You know, you had the, mm. the whakapapa person, you had the kaikaranga, you had the karakia person, everyone could work to their strengths because we had that uh, critical mass. But these days mm. we tend to try to make everyone everything. Like I guess it's doubly hard for us as Māori because um, you might be just that naturally um, perfectionist personality where mm. yeah, you don't want to get the, the R's or the O's wrong or the, the whatever's. Um, but then also there's, there's those of us who might not be perfectionists, but we're just carrying that um, inherited uh, baggage, right? Of going like, yeah. oh, I should be able to do this, shouldn't I? Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I can. Um, and that, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, interesting. There's, uh, it's, it's hard. Um, but like you say, it's, it's just inevitable pain, right? And that, that is the same for any <laughs> Pain is inevitable. Yay. <laughs> and now for a word from our sponsor. This episode of Paperback Gorillas is brought to you by Carpety Island Honey, the finest honey that you will find on Just kidding. We're not sponsored by anybody. Uh, Carpety Island Honey is just what I send to our manuhiri as a little koha to say thank you for their time that they've given. Uh, it costs both money and time to run this podcast, but we pay that out of our own pocket because we believe the kopapa is worth it. If you agree and you're enjoying this kōrero with Stacey, then please think about heading over to patreon.com slash paperback gorillas and looking at how you can donate or help out in exchange as a supporting friend or a patron of the podcast you'll get exclusive access to a bunch of really cool material as well as have the opportunity to be more involved in the corridor with our manuhiri if you want that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-a-p-e-r-b-a-c-k-g-u-e-r-r-i-l-l-a-s this is also the part of the show where I shout out the patrons who have already signed up to help keep the show running. Uh, that's an easy job at the moment. There's only two of you, Lincoln and Hori. Kia ora kōrua. Thank you. In either the the mahi that you're doing around the reo or in your um, your TV or your your radio or your um, any of that mahi that you do, uh, what's the what's your most been your most proud moment? Um, within that career or those careers? Um, I think probably longevity, actually. So mm. that's um, a lot of, yeah, that's not one singular thing, but to be mm. able to do what I love for this long, that's probably mm. it, really. And that, yeah, I still enjoy it. Um, and I see it for what it is. It's fantastic for... Mum of three kids at this point in their lives, mm. um, and so if I can have jobs like this that work for my Fano, that's actually the mm. centre of my world. So that's what matters the most to me. Mm. Is there a an aspect of the type of work that you've done, or of the of your approach to that mahi that you think has made that longevity possible? Uh, like, I think it's really being adaptable and being able to multitask, uh, to be able to cross uh, from mainstream to Māori media. And like mm. I had a boss say to me once, actually, you're the only one who's come across from urban, which is what they call you know, brown stations, uh, to, <laughs> urban radio. Yeah, to CHR, which is classic hit radio. I wonder why that is. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I wonder why you can't see why that is. Uh, so <laughs> I guess that that's part of it, to be and, – and I'm also you know, mindful and realistic about the fact of being a palatable type of Māori, you know? Mm. So as much as I – don't like that, I can realise that I uh, can be a bridge for... Oh, there's, uh, there's yeah. massive power there, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, I am Māori and Pākehā, so um, that's mm. part of what my experience brings. But it's really interesting. I, I think it's probably if I hadn't been as into, you know, identified so strongly as being Māori, my career probably would have been a bit different and mm. maybe more mainstream, but... I don't regret that. I, I can't and won't and don't regret that. Mm. 
Imagine in a parallel universe uh, where Stacey Daniels uh, never started work uh, on What Now uh, and never became the the Stacey Morrison that we all know now. What would have what would have made that reality true? What would have stopped you from from getting to where you are now? If there's one thing that you can think of, where you're like. Yeah, if that didn't happen or if that had happened. Oh, yeah. Um, well, one of them is going to Japan for sure. Uh, that's that's one of them because that changed everything. Oops. Thank you. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm just making sure I'm not losing power on my computer. So I'll just... Uh, where's the one of those times? And now my nephew's here. Oh, you can probably hear my husband arriving with the big loud sounds blaring. Hey, what? 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 You can take the boy out of Rotorua, but you can't take Rotorua out of the boy. Um, Yes. One of the things uh, I think um, there was this crossroads where I was up for the job of Ice TV and it was between me and Petra Mm. Bagus and obviously she got it. And Mm. I was also up for Marae at the same time. And there was something inside me going, oh, man, it would be so much easier if I didn't have to do the Māori stuff and mm-hmm. I wouldn't reveal myself so much. And, mm-hmm. of course, I didn't get Ice TV and I got Marae. And so that sort of started a path that um, could have been really different. I mean, yeah, that's probably one of those pivotal sliding doors moments. Mm. And you, you did a lot of, like, on-the-job learning of your deal there, right? Like, was that – what kind of level Embarrassing. were you at? <laughs> yes. what, what kind of level were you at when you uh when you started that um, um like are you talking about growth as in you know you you went from a intermediate advanced speaker i mean i don't know how you measure levels of deal but um oh well here's a, here's an exam- example i was saying koma instead of koma in front of some right. of the best speakers in the country and i remember being corrected up at waitangi uh yes mm. we were all just sitting there chatting and drinking but you know, it's one of those let the ground swallow me up moments, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I but I never forgot it and different. I never got it wrong again, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's that resilience that I had mm. to um, build and I guess that I had other things that I could, um, yeah, just reasons that I just kept on going. I don't, I just think that it, was that driving uh, force to answer the kind of call inside. I think that's a plot in Pocahontas, isn't it? But it's something <laughs> <laughs> like that. Or uh, like like song of Frozen or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was I – was, I, I sometimes say to people um, in our Kurafakarauora, which is about language planning, wānanga, I say, you know, I've had the full spectrum from being accused of being – too plastic through to criticize for being too elite so just come at me bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um you've run the whole you've run the whole length. yeah um, yeah peddling back to something that you said before about um about your tamariki and and wanting them to to not face those same challenges that that you will go through the same learning that you've had to go through. I've, I've noticed differences in attitude towards uh, reo and, and te ao Māori and the, um, the potential kind of cherishing of it from people who, are, who grew up in it and have not had to reconnect to it. I guess that, that privilege, because that is a privilege, uh, and not necessarily realising that it's... Yeah, I mean, yeah. checking it, not, not necessarily realising that it's a privilege, but also there's the thing of like being potentially more grateful for it if you never had it and then had to get it or, you know, lost it, obviously, because if you didn't have yeah. it, then that just means that you've lost it a generation or two back. Um, 
but then yeah, getting think, it back you feel more precious about it. Yeah, I think it was Hano Regan who said you value what you have to fight for. Mm. So because you've fought for it in a different way, you have a different regard for Te Reo Māori. And I think for our kids, I never want to give them the real as a poison chalice, sort of like, here's this big, heavy responsibility because you're a Māori speaker, mm. you have to be on te or you have to do anything like mm. me and Papa have done. And, mm. But also, um, one thing is I will have always nurtured their empathy uh, for mm. others and for them to understand, like, say, their korapops um, is still trying at 65 to learn Māori and for them to have mm. aroha for that rather than to ever make him feel stink about that. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, I do believe they have a different regard for their deal, and I've kind of been – tried to be realistic about how they perceive the health of the deal as well. So we did look at the kurakaupapa in our area when our son started, but there was a bit of a raru going on, so we didn't go there. We also offered mm -hmm. to help the local school, which is really well-resourced, uh, to start their own unit, but they didn't want to. And so we joined a unit that's further away, and um, but it's within a mainstream school and w then has the, the Māori unit inside it. And one thing that I'm grateful for that is because I thought, well, if they do have Māori as their main language at home and Māori at school, perhaps they're not really seeing the reality that not everyone's interested and that not everyone mm. values the deal. So I'm hoping that by them getting a realistic picture uh, that they have a, a perception of that. And I've definitely seen it at um, the Kids Intermediate where um, our community worked hard to get a rumaki going that it's become quite a lot cooler in the school. Like the social capital of being able to speak Māori has gone right up. Um, and they're kind of the cool kids, and and that's that has an influence on the kids right across the school, and in their primary school as well. And then my son goes and throws me this curveball that coming from Christchurch was honestly really hard, um, and mm -hmm. wanting to go to a high school that I uh, was really not what I had thought he'd go for, and not mm -hmm. Maori immersion at all. Um, but his story is not my story. So my job mm. was to listen to him as a mama and mm. to um, ensure he still has the deal at home 24-7 to listen to his rationale. It was good and um, we're just seeing how it goes. But, yeah, it is it is really interesting to look at what different experiences each generation has and I just try to apply like a, I guess, a an overview with my experience of how different their their lives are and their mm. perception of the deal is and then try to counter some things where I feel like it might be helpful. Mm. Yeah, Kilda. Um, talking about the like that change in kind of attitude and that social capital being a, a thing now, you would have seen attitudes towards te reo Māori change a whole lot in your career in broadcasting I imagine mm, yeah um what did, what did that look like uh it's been experiential in the last five years and mm -hmm. so there's a lot of uh congratulations going on now which is great <laughs> yeah. but I you know I think of Huirangi Waikirepuru who just passed away and he built the foundations of all of that he's one of mm. Ngāta Matoa and I I will always work to ensure that people understand that context. So things are neat in the last five years, only took 40 years, you yeah. know, and um, that's how long societal change can take. And there's lots of mm. different key players in that. There's lots of reasons for that. Um, I must admit part of it is you know, seeing what the value is in general society is for some people, only linked to whether it's of monetary value, whether mm. uh, how many people speak it, and they won't change. But mm. those people are getting older and passing on. So mm. their right. opinions are leaving as well, unless they're mm. in, entrenched in the generation below. So, mm. yes, it's exciting, and, yes, it started a long time ago. First of all, for the people who maintain the deal despite 
incredible challenges, you know, um, mm. in the 1800s and in the early 1900s. And then the people who had to be political in mm. their uh, protection of the reo. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean, I've, I've heard you and Scotty both talk about, about those um, those rangatira and those kayakos that kind of came before before you both but um i guess i'll just like the take the opportunity to uh uh mihiki akura for your like you are now those doing that same mahi right um so kia for doing that because um yeah i mean like i like i said those your books helped me in my journey um and i'm one of i don't know thousands of of maori hopefully thousands uh trying to relearn our deal um, mm. and you are helping do that. So while the last five years might have happened, um, you know, because of all that may over the last 40 years, like maybe the next 45 years will happen because of some of that may that you've put in as well. Um, mm. So kia ora. Well, oh, kia ora. I mean, um, I just realised that it's not as hard for us, not in the same ways. Like it's just like, say, with our uh, settlement claims as well, you know, uh, we say Ngaitahu being an example, um, we benefit from the mahi of our poa and taua that mm. really endangered their lives in lots of different mm. ways um, in terms of their actual living and also their livelihoods. You know, a lot of them mm. put their, um, they, they mortgaged their houses, they um, were you know, lived in fear sometimes. And so uh, we sit in relative comfort and I just think it's mm. our responsibility to do a tiny thing in return uh, and to recognise, I mean, I, I personally think that because there's such uh, groundswell growing now uh, that we all have to look strategically at what we offer and there's no mm. point in doubling up and being in competition with each other. Mm. And then, so then I think with more clarity, okay, what is it that I can do that's different and could be helpful? And then a lot of the time I see that it's actually uh, bridging is my job, bridging between mm. people who are not going to participate in kaupapa Māori if it's fed to them as kaupapa Māori and bringing them to uh, the table with people who, otherwise wouldn't get a seat at the table and also amplify, amplifying other voices. Uh, I've mm. realised that's something that I can do. I feel like there's a whole lot of um, of tangata Māori and, and uh, rangatira Māori who, um, who don't necessarily know that they have the ability to have the same kind of impact. Probably not at the same scale, that definitely not at the same scale as, as you two have. Um, how, do you, how do we amplify more Māori role models um, at an individual level, I guess. Yeah. That's a really roundabout I, wide question. <laughs> I actually see it happening more and more in Instagram and social mm. media especially mm. uh, because it's just that natural Māori flair of, mm. you know, being good at uh, communicating in different ways. And so, mm. you know, if I look at things right to Māori Mermaid as an artist, mm. nuku women, you know, doing interviews but also um, clothing ranges, Mm. Um, Hana Tapiata, you know, talking mm. about Māori well-being. I, I, you know, and then Mai Moa, you know, amazing young singers and producers, all those kind of things. I think that it's uh, happening naturally. And uh, one thing that I, I agree with you, and so what I often will do is, like, say, if I get 10 requests to do interviews, I'll probably end up doing about half of them. And mm -hmm. the other five, I'll say, actually, you should talk to this person. Um, actually, mm -hmm. this person is better to talk to you about that. Yeah, so half of that, a lot of the time, I'm just connecting them with who who they don't know because they don't mm -hmm. participate within the Māori world. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's one thing we can do. Also with e tangata, which I'm on the yeah. trust of, that's about bringing different stories uh, to life, but also it tells us about the context. So we feel safer in a hosting platform like that to be able to tell our stories, mm. whereas we're not culturally safe in other settings. Aye. So sometimes we have to make the space for our people to come and play. Mm. 
Kilda. Yeah, it's like I've just quite a few of the the cordial that I've had with people who are doing awesome mahi and doing awesome things. Um, a lot of them have touched on that thing around you know I'm not very good at at you know call it, and 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 we call it self promotion um, mm. like it's a like it is about ourselves when like if you think about the end game of inspiring other Māori or anybody, other other people to do a thing, to do good or to do whatever, um, that's not really anything to do with you. There is no self in there, right? That's about doing yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and I guess I wouldn't even consider so grandly that I'm inspiring anyone. I'm just existing. So if I look mm. at as a Māori woman in a mainstream media setting and radio, I go, sometimes my role is just to exist just mm-hmm. to show that we can be there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's because you can't be what you can't see. And exactly, so yeah. if a another Māori woman doesn't see someone else like her doing it, then you start to think, oh, maybe I don't belong in that space. Yeah, and, and the reality of that is um, probably tougher than people may realise. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. Scotty and I always say, look, we get up. He leaves the house before five o'clock most of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, but I go to do something I like, and it's Mm -hmm. actually easy for me. So um, whereas I don't know that everyone who I see out on the road at that time is doing that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but then there is a part of being, um, you know, it's culturally draining sometimes, some Mm -hmm. of the, uh, some of the corridor we have to have a lot <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and we always have to be that guy and go, uh, okay, and here's something you may have forgotten or find a way to actually present um, the fact that, oh, you've actually been heaps racist. <laughs> uh, and, or, you know, what about how um, there will be 36 media people you have invited to something and only two of them are Māori and it didn't even cross your mind, yeah. you know. So there's that cultural fatigue you can get. Mm. And so uh, the antidote to that is to have mates who you can vent with and who you can um, see each other in and go, yep, okay. And, and we get ready for the next day and had to have yep. the same stupid corridor again. Yeah. And to carry on existing and to exist, um, I guess another thing about uh, another point is like you exist visibly, right? Like not just in that space, you exist visibly on social media and, and every one of those is a um, is another potential bit of inspiration, right? And it might reach another Māori man or woman who goes, oh, choice. Like Stacey's doing the thing. I could do that thing. Um, yeah. How do I go? You know, where's where's broadcasting school for me? Um, yeah, so that's um, dude, you're definitely inspiring. Oh, kill that one. So Te Reo Matahiapo is our urban Māori approach to language revitalization, thanks to um, applying to Te Matawai. So this has. Waipareira, Urban Māori Authority, Manuko Urban Māori Authority, and Manurewa Marae. Um, so three sort of different communities of mm-hmm. Auckland, which is spread out, you know, further than LA. It's ridiculous. And so about all of these communities working together in different ways, not just for language acquisition, but also to bring the deal into more spaces. And mm. uh, particularly one thing I'm interested in that we've been working with our research team on is about how you create uh, optimum conditions for someone to be ready to engage with the deal. Mm. So for some of us, um, you know, you might have seen or had a friend who you thought was never going to be interested in learning the deal, and now they are. So mm. If we start to define what those factors are, it's about what society looks like, what cultural capital was put on learning the deal, how mm-hmm. much they're exposed to, who they see as role models. All of those things then come together in the moment when they then become ready to engage. Mm. So uh, it's um, awesome, Mahi, because we'd all, already been working with um, at least two of them, and I enjoy being in these um, urban Māori settings that are different again from iwi settings but one thing that I had to get my head around was that you don't have to you know drop your iwi affiliations to be urban Māori you can mm. be 
iwi hard and urban Māori proud. Because uh, mm. for, I think, one of the stereotypes we have about being urban Māori is that, you know, you therefore aren't a Māori speaker and don't have connection mm. with your culture. And kia uh, kaitehe you know, like mm. it's up to all of us how we t- participate. But for a lot of us in Auckland, you know, what about those ones who drive all the way down to the coast to do their matasini trainings? Like, mm. <laughs> it, it's definitely... It's not just one way of being Māori. There's not just one way of being an urban Māori. I said we wouldn't go into super specific general questions, but we, we kind of did. That's cool. Um, <laughs> Can't resist. <laughs> good, cool, cool. I've learned heaps, so <laughs> choice. Um, but are you, I mean, part of the another part of the, the kaupapa and the kind of the 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 original take of this was um, was talking about Māori uh, Māori men reading was kind of how we we started um so yeah i've got some questions about puka puka are you uh firstly i guess potentially awkward question do you read can you yes. read yes you <laughs> i'm a reader um, yeah and, <laughs> my, and my husband's a reader and um my kids are readers that's harder when as they get older and there's more mm. challenge uh, around screen time and that mm. kind of stuff but um we yeah, we're both readers and, and writers. And you actually have to be a reader to be a writer, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's why I said potentially awkward. It would be very... Yeah, awkward. yeah. And also state of view no, to only read your own books. <laughs> God. Um, but, no, yeah, I, I love books. I'm, I'm a non-fiction reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think some people, like say my sisters, are both into novels and I just go, well, we don't learn anything out of that. <laughs> it's stupid. But then I love stories as well. You know, I love the structure of stories, movies, kids' movies are always like impeccably mm. structured. Oh, and yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, and then I love the the inner workings of why things, you know, have to be, have to sit the way they do. Academic mm. writing as opposed to, say, essay writing, what we see mm. in a tangata being resilient in a editing type of way, all of those mm. things, um, you know, you are influenced by what you read. I remember a cute one, um, Scotty saying he always used to read the Hulk comics when he was oh, yeah. a, a kid. Um, yeah. But because, you know, you read them, you don't know how to say it out loud. And one time he tried to say it and he goes, oh, yeah, you know, like really punny humans. I was like, punny? Because that's how he thought puny was said. <laughs> yeah, and, and – yes, Yes, you punny humans. And um, I guess when you're in broadcasting, man, people are brutal. Uh, they – they they it's really weird because the people who will tell you that it's fine to say tauranga like tauranga mm. are also the people who say it's vulnerable not vulnerable <laughs> you know or woman yeah. not women you know so yeah. they are particular about english and then just yeah. show basically supremacist uh, supremacist attitudes towards maori yeah. so yeah there's a couple of reasons why yeah we're both big time readers and um sometimes when we're stuck writing reading is the way to get out of it mm. what are you reading at the moment um well i'm just well i'm you know one thing i'm really bad at is reading lots of different books at once mm. um so. yeah and so i i in my hands right now i have hekupu tukuiho um, by Timothy Karitu and Farihuia Milroy, and um, we both reference different parts of that. Particularly at times like this, I guess people are asking for ported, or sometimes mm. um, we'll create them, but sometimes we'll say, well, you know, uh, this is what Farihuia said, this is what Timothy mm. said, and it's a great way um, to express it. Um, so I usually have, you know, about three or four different reference books on the go. <laughs> mm. And then yeah, also, no. um, I love Brene Brown, you know, those mm. kind of, I've always been into sort of self-help kind of books too. Mm. Tawa, tawa. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm real bad at having a few on the go. Um, oh, he's my tamahine. Kia ora, who are Yes. What's up? Kia ora, kotido. This is uh, Stacey, we're just having a kōrero. Kia clamming up um yeah so i know i read i read fiction and non-fiction i try to kind of 
keep some degree of like context containment by having like doing my my fiction reading at night and then my nonfiction in the morning. But yeah, they tend to just kind of blur together, and then every book takes five times as long as it should do. Yeah, um, and I, like I also, if it's really hard work, sometimes I'll stick with it. But mm. um, yeah, otherwise I don't. I just go. Oh, I feel like I've yeah, I've got I've got the vibe. <laughs> I get what you mean. <laughs> I, know, I, I know where it's going. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's a, a book that you would gift a friend? Um, have I gifted friends? Oh, well, actually, in that vein, I remember one year for my birthday, I got given six different copies of Rushing Woman Syndrome, which I did not appreciate <laughs> <laughs> what they were trying to say, bloody bossy bitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I'm more likely, well, we actually gift a lot of our books, to mm. be fair. Um, to people, but also Modi uh, um, Oro, which is another book that's mm. full of Fakatoki, which is lovely. Um, mm. I have given friends, you know, I like books that are um, nice to have in a space like uh, decor as, as well, you know, like just mm. books that you look at and they feel, you know, calming and, mm. um, you know, ones on, on decor and that kind of stuff. Uh, but also, uh, this one, uh, the one that I just mentioned, Hekukutuki um, Uiho, and also um, I have given people books like, uh, I guess, my favourite kind of uh, story books, those kind of things. So, yeah, mm. I love giving books. I'm often that auntie, you know, kids, it's really interesting at a birthday party when you give books and the kids go, right, and they don't even finish unwrapping it properly <laughs> and they move on to the next book. Yeah, pick it up. <laughs> uh, it's a book. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm that auntie. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing rattling in there. No. And then your, your classic um, podcast question, what would you tell 21-year-old uh, Stacey? Chill out, bro. Like, just way intense, man. It's okay. It will be okay. Like, all of the things that you're uh, trying to sit into place will happen. You'll get there. And just go with your heart. Um, don't even try to fight it. And I guess also to assure that, um, you know, my enduring loves will always be the same, reading, mm. writing, drama, uh, performance and creativity in different ways. So, mm. yeah, I think 21 was maybe um, it's just doing work to be in a better place to be able to do the mahi uh, that I ended up doing. But, mm. yeah. I, cool. Yeah. And this is our final part I my final part I if you could insert one thought in the mind of everyone in Aotearoa what would it be that my experience of New Zealand will be different from your experience of New Zealand and to have aroha for the fact that we are all descendants of people who at this point, uh, who at some point uh, decided to make Aotearoa our home mm. and our beauty and our richness is in our uniqueness. Uh, so as much as we can be, if we maintain our unique identities and have unity within that, then I believe we'll be our best selves. Mm. Kia ora. Cool. Well, those are those are all the questions that I have. Did you? Is there anything that you want to talk about, or do you a question that you think uh, you had a mean answer ready for? Um. Oh, Carl, no, just I mean, if we're talking about particularly um, men in writing, for mm. you probably need to do one separately with Scotty actually, because um, he's the jock, um, the first fifteen guy, the volleyball, you know, first however many there are in that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, nation, national champs, total jock, mm. who becomes the the writer and the um, orator. Mm. So, yeah, it's 
and I'm so grateful for that. One of the biggest things I'm grateful for is my husband's spirituality and, and Te Reo lets him express his spirituality. And I feel strongly that that's important for the mental health of our men as well. And when we can't express and, and even delve into or recognize our spiritual selves, when we are naturally spiritually, you know, spiritual beings, particularly mm. as Māori, uh, and I think it's, it's a mummy that are, many of our men carry, and mm. I, I hope that that's something that we can work on. Mm. Kia ora. yeah, that's um, it's so uh, outside of the frame of regular Western kind of society, um, unless it's through a mainstream church, right? Like unless yeah, it's yeah, totally. that's your spirituality, totally. cool big guy upstairs, whatever. Um, yeah, that will be a choice called it all. Um, well, yeah, thank you again for your time. Sorry um, about technical difficulties. Ah, get to No, all good. <laughs> you get back to, to the to the eight in the household who... Um, kia pai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and, uh, yeah, kia pai to Easter. Loops on the wiki. Yeah, kapai. Kia koutou hoki, koutou ko te whānau. Nō reire mō tēnei wāia hoa, ka nui te mihi. One more thing before you go, Etifano. If you've enjoyed this corridor with Stacey, then don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast player app. And if you know someone else you think might enjoy it, then please do share it with them on social media, tag us in the post, and let us know what you think about it. And as always, stay tuned for the next one. Kia ora. That's the cool thing about being a Māori artist. To show me that that was possible. <laughs> 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 Oh no.